This is Thoughts on the Table by DisgracesOnTheMenu.com. Hello and welcome back to Thoughts on the Table, the audio blog on food and food culture. As always, Paolo here, your host, and today I have the pleasure to be joined by Mr. Frank Fariello. Hi, Frank. Hey, how are you doing, Paolo? I'm great, Frank. I think you started exactly the same way five years ago when I interviewed you <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> Um, so I don't need to introduce you, Frank. Uh, anybody who listens to me uh, is certainly familiar with you. Um, you've been an inspiration to a lot of uh, food bloggers and cooks uh, around the world. So um, thank you so much for coming back and congratulations on your 10-year anniversary. So that's thank you. the milestone that we're celebrating today. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's hard to believe it's been 10 years, but thanks. You're so humble. Um, yes, it's been 10 years. And as you say in your blog post that accompanies this milestone, you've reached uh, 530 recipes, which is an outstanding number, especially because these are all Italian recipes, at least the vast majority are Italian recipes from continental Italy, uh, with a very few properly tagged Italian-American dishes and some non-Italian dishes. So your focus is being very, very specific. Yes, that's, that's absolutely right. <laughs> so... Um, I have so many questions about this. Like, are these all recipes you're familiar with or there has been a discovery for you as well due to blogging? Well, definitely there's discovery there. I mean, I do have a kind of a regular rotation. Of course, we started out early days uh, with what I was essentially making for dinner. You know, mm -hmm. I'd cook up something and then set it out on a plate, take a quick snapshot with my cell phone and, you know, write something quick and dirty about it maybe the next day mm -hmm. uh but you know that's not going to i don't have a rotation of 500 different <laughs> dishes in my regular repertoire uh hate to disappoint anyone out there who might think otherwise but uh yeah a lot of it has been exploration obviously i mean uh through i've got a lot of trusty old cookbooks uh, that i look at and read and study I get inspiration from other bloggers out there. I get inspiration online. I get inspiration from now, of course, you see people moving into YouTube and Facebook Live and all of that kind of thing. And I get inspiration. Last summer, for example, went back to, to Italy. We had a family wedding in, in Sicily and, mm -hmm. of course, took the advantage of that trip to, to get to know some dishes, which I had already done some research on, but to actually taste them and talk to people about them, et cetera, et cetera, and mm -hmm. got a recipe for seafood couscous, for example, from the uncle of the bride, and then did a, did a post on that and a post on various other things that I had tried out. So there was a little mini-series on Sicilian cooking last summer. Mm -hmm. So it comes from all kinds of different sources. I see. But what about the execution of these dishes? So um, I know it takes me a while before I can realize the dish that I want to achieve and then mm -hmm. uh, even longer if I want to describe it for someone else and take the pictures and do all mm -hmm. that goes in. Uh, admittedly, I, I, I don't have that um, skill. But how, um, how about your execution? So what is the process of getting one of these dishes that you've maybe encountered on your travel, on your read, mm -hmm. on a book, to get it to actually be on your blog? Well, it's a multi-day process. My blog posts are, are recipe tested, that's mm -hmm. for sure. Um, there's nothing that I present which I haven't made myself, and obviously you, you need to do that just to take a photograph of it. But, um, but I don't necessarily test it time and again. 
occasionally I'll try something out and I'm not happy with it. In that case, of course, then I'm going to try it again. Uh, or I want to try a different, I know there are different variations mm-hmm. on a particular dish. So I try different variations to find the one that I, I think I like the best. And it's usually just a person, often just a personal preference. Although I do make sure to mention different variations is the one thing I, I do pretty regularly uh, mm-hmm. in the notes after the actual recipe. You know, talk about different ways of making the dish. But the one I present is usually one I just personally happen to like the best. Uh, but the process of blogging itself is is a fairly time-consuming thing. You've got mm-hmm. to identify the dish, of course, to begin with. There's a fair amount of research, as I said. When you're going beyond your personal repertoire, you've got to do that research. Then you, you're you purchasing the ingredients. And sometimes, especially when I'm getting into the more Mm-hmm. kind of rarefied areas of unusual dishes that often means uh, looking for an ingredient locally or ordering it online, whatever it is. Um, and then you prepare it, then you photograph it, then you write about it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then, and now I've become more careful in my writing in a sense, as I said, early days, my blog was originally just meant for friends and family. So I just kind of very quickly jot down some ideas and I did it in a very kind of unstructured storytelling kind of way, mm-hmm. mixing up, not really setting out a formal recipe with ingredients and directions and all the rest. It was mm-hmm. just kind of a telling a story as if I were talking to a friend, essentially, which I was, virtually speaking. <laughs> right. But now I'm, I've structured the recipes much more closely, much more carefully, because basically feedback from readers were saying, oh, we love your blog. Uh, you know, once the blog was getting attention from people who I didn't know personally, uh, but I can't cook from it because it's, you know, I don't have an ingredient list. Mm -hmm. I don't have, you know, proper instructions, et cetera. So I started to conform a bit to the more usual um, structure that you'd find in, let's say, a cookbook or for that mind online recipes as well. Mm -hmm. And that takes a lot more uh, care and time to kind of structure things. Uh, And I also do do a fair amount of editing now too. So uh, typically I'll, I'll take one weekend to do the shopping, preparing and doing uh, the photography and then a rough first draft. And then during the week um, when I can find time, because mm-hmm. of course I'm, <laughs> I have a day job, uh, kind of do a bit of editing along the way. And then I'll post it, you know, the Friday night, basically uh, after the weekend I've, I've actually prepared the dish. Yeah, so there's definitely a lot of work, the research that goes in, and then the care in the execution. However, you're an accomplished cook, if not a chef. So I'm imagining uh, for you, executing a dish is a bit like for a musician playing something that he reads on paper. Um, <laughs> is that right? Or um... Yeah, basically, because, of course, you, I mean, I've been cooking... Um, since I'm now, I I will reveal to the general public, 60 years old, uh, I've been cooking since I was, what, 15. So I've been cooking for a long mm, time. Right. Uh, so practice, and of course, most of that time, all of that time, really, just cooking Italian food, largely. So, um, yeah, when I look at a recipe, I don't necessarily need to think too hard about how to execute it. Right. Having said that, there are sometimes I do run into roadblocks. I mean, I've mm-hmm. been trying, I've been meeting for a long time to make a, uh, do a post on Bigoli, which mm. you may know the, yes. the Venetian pasta, buckwheat pasta. 
it somehow I've got some kind of block. I've been mm. trying. I want to present bigoli, not the store bought kind, but the kind that you might want to make make at <laughs> home. I'm not quite dedicated enough to be willing to buy a torchio, which is the traditional uh, instrument for mm. making it, uh, which you can find online for four hundred, five hundred dollars here wow. in the states. I'm not quite ready for that. <laughs> uh, so I've been thinking about other, trying other ways to do it. Uh, using some kind of uh, extruder device. I got an attachment for my pasta maker mm-hmm. for Bigoli, supposedly. I've tried different stratagems. For some reason, I just can't get it right. So once in a while, there's just something that's got me stuck. For, but for the most part, yeah, as you say, it's uh, it's it's pretty comes pretty naturally to me. Yeah. Right. Um, and you, uh, you also describe your recipes in a way that is uh, approachable for uh, novel cooks, which is something that I realize now must cost you uh, extra work to, to break it down maybe a bit more into steps. Is that right? Uh, that's absolutely right. Because, of course, what comes naturally, if you like, after so many years of cooking, you have to kind of go back and try to think with a new mind, so to speak, and not make any assumptions. There are a lot of recipes, as you know, um, especially in Italian cookbooks, which are extremely brief and extremely crypt, not, I wouldn't say cryptic, yeah. but very telegraph, mm-hmm. let's say telegraphic, mm-hmm. but that's because these patterns repeat themselves. And once you have a basic knowledge, you don't really need a lot to right. communicate mm-hmm. uh, with another person who has that same background, how you make a dish. Right. But if you're trying to write for someone who may or may not have that basic background, then the recipe, of course, becomes a lot longer and you have to really think. The other thing is uh, measurements and ingredients. Mm, Um, I don't measure, as many Italian cooks do not measure. (laughs) Uh, And that's kind of the hardest part for me sometimes because I have to remember, even when I'm cooking it, to stop myself and say, look. Stop and weigh that thing that you've just, you yeah. know, eyeballed yes. and make sure you jot it down, take a note of how much, because later you might forget. And, mm-hmm. and readers want that information, of course. Right. Uh, yes. Although I have to say I practice and I have a, I actually have a post on this about measurements. Um, it talks a bit about using metric versus imperial measurements, but it also talks about my approach or philosophy of measurements. I'm mm-hmm. not... I do measure now. I used to not measure, and I used to even in my blog post talk about throw in a handful of this and uh, <laughs> you know a good pour of that, etc. Uh, and I still do that to some extent because I don't, you know, I don't think at some point measurements don't mean a heck of a lot. You know, you can find measurements in especially in English language recipes mm-hmm. for saying add half a teaspoon of salt, you know. Oh. Or a yeah. quarter teaspoon of sugar. And it, it, at some point, it gets a little bit absurd, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because cooking isn't that. It's not chemistry, you know, uh, except maybe for baking, uh, yes. which is something separate. But regular stovetop cookery is more of an art than a science. And I think that kind of measurement um, gives you the wrong idea of what it means to actually right. cook. Absolutely. I don't think my mother has ever weighed salt or used you know, a, a measuring tool for salt. It's a pinch. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely uh, very true. Um, okay, let's talk for a moment about food photography, because obviously mm. it's another important component to getting the blog posts out. You know, you say in your post, this is a visual medium. You know, the blog is mm-hmm. something visual. Food is very much visual. So what is your setup, if you can reveal it? Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to share it. It's, uh, in part because it's extremely simple. Um, 
I, as I said, early days, of course, just took a quick snapshot with the cell phone, but I soon realized, as you said, that that's not the way things work. I mean, I kind of naively thought when I started blogging uh, that if you had a good knowledge of your subject and you were able to articulate that knowledge in a way that communicated it, that's all you really needed. And I soon realized, no, that's not quite enough. Mm. Um, and I saw, you know, in those early days, a lot of blogs that I thought were fantastic in terms of the information they had on them never really took off. And I quickly realized mm. why. And I saw other blogs, which will remain nameless, <laughs> which I didn't think were particularly special. Right. Um, but became very popular, and I realized, hmm, what's the difference here? Mm -hmm. Nine times out of ten, it was the photography. Mm -hmm. um, so I quickly realized I had to up my game there. So I went from cell phone to kind of entry-level DLR to now I've got uh, kind of a mid-level Nikon D800, which is mm -hmm. you know, a pretty decent, uh, and a number of lenses for different purposes. Uh, although I have to say, you know, I often fall back on my good old reliable zoom lens uh, although i do have some specialty lenses for macro photography and stuff on, but mm -hmm. i use day to day it's the zoom lens because it's so easy to kind of to frame pictures that way yeah versatile i at mm -hmm. one point was pursuing more uh, of that art and i i found i loved my 50 millimeters Yes, that's another figure one. Yeah, but then, you know, lately I find that cell phones have really caught up a lot and you can achieve pretty reasonable results, especially with uh, the short depth of field that they can simulate. That's really nice to, to get an idea. That is true. That mm -hmm. is true. I don't know. Maybe I should go back to cell phone. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> No, no, don't, no, don't do that. But, but you know, for, for other medium like Instagram mm -hmm. or, you know, yeah. less formal settings, I find that cell phones mm -hmm. really have made sure. like, enormous leaps. So, but about the food that you cook, so you, you, you know, you're cooking the dish, uh, you're writing down proportions, then you know, when it's all ready, you assemble the dish, you plate it, and you take the pictures. Right. Do you end up eating that dish or is it just for the blog? Um, it depends on the, on the dish. Mm -hmm. Um, if it is a dish that lends itself to reheating, yes. Um, you know, a braised dish of some kind, if it's a frittata, of course, why not later on you have it room temperature. Mm -hmm. Uh, there are other dishes, um, like a pasta dish, typically, mm -hmm. it's not going to be so great uh, three hours later or whatever it is. Because I use natural light, by the way, almost exclusively, um, you have to kind of time it. And typically, I've either got to do it around 11 o'clock in the morning, so too early, obviously, to eat dinner, um, or 5, and that's still, for me, a little bit too early for dinner as well. So, um, I understand. you know, it's got to be something that can be reheated later and, and, and enjoyable. Otherwise, I just make a small portion of it. I might be eating the same dish for dinner, mm -hmm. but I'll make a small portion for blog purposes and then the rest of it later on. So I might make, a if it's mm -hmm. pasta, a right. larger amount of the sauce and then just to use a little bit for, a, for the blog post. See, I had the chance to speak with people who have published uh, cookbooks, and this mm. is exactly what they do in their uh -huh. test kitchens. So you know what I'm going next. <laughs> I yes. asked you five years <laughs> ago, and I'm going to ask you again. I think, you know, uh, it's high time for a publication. That's me personally as a fan, mm. and I think, you know, uh, as a testament to a huge collection, it would have to be just a very small percentage. I'm sure you've had 
chances to do it, but you still haven't done. Mm -hmm. So are you planning on it or still no? Well, um, I hate to disappoint you, but unfortunately, I guess the answer is still no for the moment. You know? Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm thinking, look, if, because to be honest, you know, when you are, as I still am, uh, a hobby blogger, if you want to call it that way, a weekend blogger, use whatever term you want to use. Um, you know, the time is what it is. It's finite. Um, if I were retired, be another story. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm thinking maybe when when I retire um, in a few years, that might be a nice project for me, kind of to get mm -hmm. to start out my retirement. But uh, in the meanwhile, I think it's going to be very difficult to find the time, to be honest. I mean, it's all I can do really to churn out those two or three blog posts each month. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I totally understand, of course. And in a way, I'm also happy that you're not doing it right away because, you know, you continue the way you have been and it's a nice tradition yeah. to see your blog post coming through and that's the only way to really get your recipes to subscribe <laughs> to your mini list or just go on the blog and see what's new on the blog so and in fact just to kind of add to that mm -hmm. what you're saying i do try to think of the blog as more of an online cookbook mm -hmm. maybe that's a bit of a cheat but i do try to make it accessible in the way that you don't have to just focus on the latest thing i've produced because i've got lots of ways to get into it i've got you know recipe lists indexes tabs for browsing by region and course and all the rest so i think there are ways to get into the content that make it close to of course it's a little bit different to have a book in front of you no doubt about it but you can use the blog almost as if you were using an ebook um, at least that's what I'm hoping uh, it's like for the visitor. Yes, absolutely. And you can search, you can use it, uh, you know, as a cookbook with indices and other nice things that technology gives you, right? Um, mm. And yeah, and there's um, there's really no no constraints. Like there's a photo for every recipe. Sometimes cookbooks can't have that necessarily. So yep. really, really nice. Um, in your blog post, you also touch on something uh, that I thought was quite interesting that Obviously, you did a retrospective on these last 10 years. And you mm -hmm. said that, yeah, blogging has changed. And so has your blog, really. Um, can you talk about it a little bit more here in the podcast? Sure. I mean, you know, it was such a different world. I started blogging 10 years ago. Of course, it was 2009. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was a much, first of all, much smaller world. I mean, mm -hmm. there was food blogging had gotten its start already but it was really very early days and and so i kind of felt like you could if you wanted to more or less know everyone who was blogging in particular in you know in terms of my area of interest at time cooking mm -hmm. uh and we even had a little kind of a facebook for foodies called food buzz back in those days oh yeah i remember that uh, and if you remember that and it Top was a nine. nice platform mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, you remember that. Okay. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. I was there once, uh, twice, I think, and I was so proud. Ah, yes. Good for you. Good <laughs> for you. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. I mean, it was, you know, I, I think that element for those who, uh, remember that, I mean, that was good and bad. It was exciting, but it also added a kind of a competitive element that wasn't yeah. always, I thought, uh, uh, useful to kind of build that community. But the, nevertheless, there was a good sense of community there that had places where you can go and have 
different kinds of exchanges and discussion boards mm-hmm. and and you could follow other bloggers that you found interesting and all the rest so I, I, you know it was a great little community i thought on the whole um it kind of uh, kind of transformed i guess into more of a commercial venture mm-hmm. later on and less of a, a form of social media unfortunately but nevertheless um, you know, people keep up with each other in other ways. I think, for right. example, what you do with the Canola Award, for example, has been great because it's introduced me to a lot of other bloggers I wouldn't have known about. So I think we all owe you a good uh, debt of gratitude as well for keeping the community together that way. Thanks so much. And you've done so much for the project as well. So thank you again. That's wonderful. Uh, mm-hmm. But these days, you know, the community is just so much. In fact, I don't know if it's still you could properly call it a community. There's just is you know mm. the internet is just replete with with food blogs, as everyone knows these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's more or less impossible to know everyone who's blogging out there. Um, maybe a little bit more possible in the kind of little niche area that we have, which is not just Italian cookery, but as you said, continental Italian mm-hmm. cookery, which is important to make the uh, distinction, I think. Uh, so that's still a kind of a, a knowable world, I think. But um, the other thing is that, you know, it's not just blogging anymore. You know, the major food sites are getting into Italian cooking mm. as well as we all know, um, and putting out there more or less real recipes. It's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to think that you come to my blog or a few other blogs, you're, you know you're going to get the real deal mm-hmm. there. You may or may not, but nevertheless, they're, they're, they're publishing about dishes that they would never have been publishing about in 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just the, the most famous and most well-known dishes, even some of the more esoteric ones. So, so there's competition out there from the big, uh, you know, the bon appetits of the world mm-hmm. and the serious eats of the world and all of that. Um, so that's, that's, a, that changes things. That's, I think one of the reasons that's driving this push. And the other thing that's changed a lot is that the professionalism uh, mm-hmm. of even of, you know, solo bloggers. Um, I think it's because standards and expectations have been going up on the part of readers they're not no longer interested to them for the most part for in the very casual blogging Mm. uh that you might see at least not the general public um so you really have to keep up um and that's one of the reasons why blogging takes a lot more effort than it used to do Mm -hmm. yeah i think personally that people have other channels to do what we refer to as blogging like if you go, mm. you can follow someone on Twitter or on Instagram feed and you can get, you know, the, the casual blogging experience sometimes. You know where the person is, what they've been cooking, what they've been doing, thinking. Um, but then, you know, the blog itself obviously requires a stronger drive, mm. um, certain constants and a certain amount of dedication. So to keep up in this more populated world where there's higher quality content and more content, you need to, you know, play a higher game. So, yeah, so that's probably what we've been seeing. So now the last question is, where do you think this is going then? Mm. Well, I think the blog, it's interesting, you touched on it a little bit in your comments about where casual blogging is mm-hmm. gone. I, what I've noticed is there is a move towards other media, as mm. you say, either social media in the very casual direction 
of, you know, the Instagram snapshot or mm-hmm. something on a personal Facebook page um, where, hey, here's what I made last night, that kind of thing. Or in the in a more professional direction towards, you know, things like YouTube channels mm-hmm. and Facebook Live and that kind of thing. Uh, that seems to be where things are going. I'm not quite sure if I'm going to follow that route. I'm, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm quite tech savvy enough. And, you know, when it comes to imagine going from blogging, you know, in the written form to video blogging, mm-hmm. even more effort involved, more dedication and all the rest. I'm not sure if I'm able to go there. But if I had to guess where uh, blogging was going in general, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd guess it was going in that direction. I have a one tech savvy niece who wants me to go there and is ready to help, but i uh, not sure if mm. I'm quite ready for it yet. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> wow. That would be quite the change. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, Not quite sure I'm photogenic enough for that work <laughs> anyway. Uh, I think you would do fantastic. Um, yes. Um, but yeah, certainly that would be a, a different game. I do see this now. Um, we're in a world where, you know, even spoken is, you know, podcasts are old school, right? You have to yeah, do videos. Yeah. So yeah, I am as well resisting a small request to appear on video. Mm. Um, but you know, you can be a vlogger, apparently. <laughs> and yeah, it's okay. But really not for me. I love the radio. I'm an old school guy and I'll continue doing mm. podcasts. And and I hope you do. I think there's always gonna be a need anyway for podcasts. I know a lot of people I mean I when I, I'm a commuter like a lot of people and I'm sitting in traffic or whatever, I think podcasts are a great way to pass the time. So uh, I think there's always going to be a niche, at least for that medium of, of podcasting. But, you know, the thing about this this move towards video, mm-hmm. um, the problem I have with it in terms of what I want to achieve through blogging is that it seems to me more entertainment than mm-hmm. instruction. And if you want, like I do, really aspire to hopefully people are going to cook from what you're producing. Um I don't know if that's the best way. I mean, you or you need to do that and the written page because mm. some you're always the the consumer, if you like the reader, uh, is always going to need that written recipe, right? Uh, to reproduce. So imagine if you do the blog, the written blog plus the video, that right there that becomes a full time job. Really, the the, the hobby uh, mm-hmm. blogger like myself really can't can't go there. Absolutely. Um, Frank, uh, it's been wonderful talking with you. We're out of time for this episode. Uh, I try to time it to a commute average time. So, uh, Okay, speaking of which. <laughs> yes, depending which commute, right? Some people commute yeah. for way longer, but for me, this is a good length and I don't want to take too much of your Sunday afternoon. So thanks sure. so much again uh, for all that you do. This is really uh, wonderful work and I wish you 10 more years, if not more. Well, thank you, Fala. Good to talk to you again. Bye now. Take care. Bye-bye.